Welcome to the family with Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, Dave Schrader. We'll be right back with hour two with the family. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back. You know, I just saw something I cannot believe anymore. And it's some English cook guy. He's got his own cooking show on, in England. Yeah, an English chef or an English cook. or well, I don't know what the hell he is. But uh, he's changing the names of a lot of the dishes that he makes because they're offensive. <laughs> okay? Uh, one of the things he's changing the names of, or the name of, and I can see this is really offensive. Oh, my God. They're these really good-looking little cookies. They're two cookies with a little chocolate, and then you put a little cream and a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. You have to change the name because the damn thing is called the Empire Biscuit. What? Mm. Empire Sounds Biscuit. Sounds like this is an idiot who wants publicity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely it is. Well, hey, you know, they're rebranding the uh, M&M's, so they got to do it for every food well, now. Yeah, they're, they're too sexy. they yeah. M&M's. They're, they're just making the female M&M's not wear heels anymore. She's getting yep. sneakers. Mm-hmm. Um, the red one is going to be less bossy. Orange is going to address his anxiety. Here comes passive aggressive M&M. Yeah. <laughs> like, for real. The Minnesota, the Minnesota M&M. Yeah, yeah. no. <clears throat> 
beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Great, Scott. It'll be ice blue. It sounds like oh. uh, Peggy Hill from uh, King of the Hill. She used, to, she used to make her favorite meal, which was Spa Peggy and Meatballs. Mm-hmm. And Peggy. she goes, it's really just spaghetti and meatballs, but I changed its name to Spa Peggy and Meatballs. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. Yeah, well. But I don't. here's what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. There are businesses called Empire. Like is that's flooring or carpeting or some empire call empire today. Five eight what? eight two three hundred. Hundred yep. empire today. Oh my god! How is that offensive? <laughs> How is the word empire now offensive? I can't even Jared find the story you're talking about. So what's that? I can't even find this story. It was it was on the morning show this morning. I was trying to think of where I saw it. Check the onion, in, Andy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do. No, no the guys, it's British. It's a British story. It took place in uh, in England. I can't. God, I wish I could Is remember the guy's name. Is it because when it was referred to as the Empire, that's when it was uh, under Sith reign, yeah. and and that's when they you know were more about slavery and mm-hmm. all of that. They need to change it to the Resistance Biscuit. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the Resistance Biscuit. Oh, that'd be great. You can't poop it out. It's a resistant biscuit. Mm-hmm. Oh, Works well, for me. I have a feeling that's already kind of what they're like. Looking at them, they're yeah. probably pretty starchy. Yeah, well, I would imagine that's probably true. But yeah, I, I, I don't understand why everything everything now is offensive. Everything is offensive to somebody. I, I'm not that easily offended. I I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't I don't know how the hell I ever made it through life. I don't care about any of it. Do you? No, I just had a strange exchange on Twitter. Um, you know, I I, can't, I was doing a Q and A with followers, and uh, somebody said, <clears throat> you know, I noticed. The paranormal teams around our area are a good mix of men and women and people of of different color. But on TV, it's only represented by straight, middle-aged white men, and women really don't have much of a a place. And I said, well, I don't know what shows you're watching. There are prominent women in just about every one of the TV programs. And the Ghost Brothers have two or three shows on the air, and they're African-American. And, you know, it's not great, but it is a start, and there's some diversity. And it unleashed holy hell on me because, oh, see, you're talking down about, uh, 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 God, what is the term that they used? Um, Marginalized people. And you don't know, and you're the, and I'm like, well, as the father of a mixed race daughter and a bisexual child, I think I have a grasp somewhat on marginalized people. And all I said was, it's not great, but it's a start and that there is representation and there's Chip Coffee and Adam Barry on the TV show Kindred Spirits are, are proud, open homosexual men. There are others in the field that aren't open, you know, so, you know, to be raging about something, you know, it's just, I get the concept. You want more diversity but then this person just kept coming at me coming at me like i and i'm like are you even reading what you're writing to me because i'm agreeing with you 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 know know? what's amazing about that and i make this argument all the time kqrs morning show was the first morning show in america to hire not one but two black men an asian woman i mean we can keep going down the list i've had more than my share of jews with like tony lee you know what i'm saying But nobody ever says anything about it. We were 35 years ahead of the curve, and nobody gives a shit. They don't care at all because it doesn't fit their narrative. <laughs> We've been doing this for years. You know, Like I said, I lived with a black family in 1971 in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Victor and Gail Treadwell. It was great. I had a wonderful time. I, I, just, I don't understand. Why don't they look back and go, well, who did try to get this started? You know, they don't care about that. It's they're the ones that have. This is all about them. You know, it's not about black people, brown people, whatever. This is all about them and what they think, right? 
Well, these it's, honkies I, that are I'm saying. finding in a lot of cases the people that are whining the loudest are the ones that aren't even fitting into a lot of the categories that they're so blustered about. And then you right. see people from those communities coming forward saying, eh, we don't feel that way at all. You know, stop, you know, stop being so offended for us. We're adults and and can speak for ourselves. And, you know, we get the support, but sometimes your support makes us look crazy. I saw, I think, what might be the worst example of that I've ever seen in my life the other day. Oh, dear. Uh, So this woman, she gets paralyzed from like the chest down uh, 20 years ago or something like that. Like a real woman? Yeah. Oh. She gets paralyzed from the waist down. And then the other day, she writes a story about the fact that not being able to move on her own has really taught her what it's like to be a minority in America. What? Because she's so helpless, and she is marginalized and looked down upon. It's like, (laughs) these people have to be legitimately insane. It's an insane thing to say. Well, I think think the point is what they're trying to do is they're trying to equate that, you know, I've learned my lesson. I really love this comedian, Drew, oh, God, no, my name, it's blanking, Drew Lynch. He has a stutter. So Mm -hmm. a speech-impaired comedian, he was on America's uh, Got Talent, and I just love this guy. He's great, but in one of the first interviews he did on America's Got Talent, you know, he was talking about who he used to be, and he, he's embarrassed because he, he was just a dick to people. And now having this affliction and watching the peop- way people react to him, he's realized just what a, what a shit he really was. And so he didn't always have a stutter? No, he got hit, hit I think it was in the throat or something, <clears throat> with a softball, and he fell backwards and clunked oh, okay. his head oh, and then okay. went to sleep with a concussion. Mm. And when he woke up, he's got this stutter. Okay. And he's hilarious. He is my one of my happy places. Go on YouTube. He's got his full comedy special up, but he's adept at putting up clips of him dealing with hecklers, and so those are some of the most fun oh, yeah. clips he's got. But he's, I love the unadulterated, he has this kid-like giggle every time he makes himself laugh. No. And it's funny because he, you know he's ro- rolling off the cuff on people <laughs> mm-hmm. on stuff, and it, it's really good. But he, you could see in his eyes, he's like, "I really understand the other side now." Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like karma came back for him. So was this person, you know, that's paralyzed? I, I, I oh, get no, what they're saying. That's not what she was talking about. No, she I know, was saying it, that people are being mean to me, and you know, the fact that people are being mean <clears> to me <throat> is just like how people are mean to black people, kind of thing. It's not like oh, I understand what. Like, it's not like uh, yeah, she's I not understand that a... I could be a better person or whatever. It's, you yeah. know, yeah. everyone is mean except for, you know, me. Like, everybody treats black people terribly. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that because I can't move on my own. Yeah, like, just what? like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Equating black people <clears throat> with people who can't move their legs or some of their arms. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very interesting uh, thing to think. It is. It's interesting, like, having children at this kind of, it seems yeah. to be a bit of a turning point in, like, inclusion and stuff, you know? Um Fawn, yesterday, I have the kids watch, like, an episode of something while I'm making dinner and Dan's still working. And there's a show on Apple TV called El Defo, and it's about a rabbit. It's a kid's show. It's about a rabbit that gets an infection. I actually watched the first episode with them because I was like, I just want to make sure this is, like, you know, appropriate for their age and stuff. Sage didn't like it at all, but Fawn is very interested in disabilities 
Like she talks about what it's like to be blind, and sometimes she. Jesus. What in the world? Sean's playing a little black in the background what? music for God. you. Apparently. I got my ringer off, and it started doing that. <clears throat> Mine was. Doing I thought it might have been my phone a second ago. Yeah, what happened? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Anyway, so Fawn's very interested in disabilities. Like she went through a phase for like a week or two that she was pretending to be blind like she'd close her eyes and mm. like walk around because we talked we saw somebody that was blind um and stuff and so <coughs> sorry she was really interested in the show because it's about a little kid and gets an infection and she's in a coma in the hospital for a little bit and she wakes up and is deaf and then it goes through like she wakes up from the coma and nobody can really everybody's talking to her but she's i think young enough where she doesn't really understand what's going on and then all of a sudden it was like oh she lost her hearing and then she has multiple different kinds of hearing aids and she goes to a deaf school and then she goes to a regular school and i think first grade and all this stuff and kind of i felt like it dealt with everything in a really good way because it was like okay everybody's a rabbit Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like there was no like race or anything involved in it. It was like just about a rabbit with a hearing impairment, you know, and because but some other things like I've got books from the library before about, you know, people with different religions and people with other disabilities and stuff. And some of them I'm just like, this is so intense. And I don't know for a little kid to just be. I feel like there's a line, you know, yeah. with children that it's like, okay, it's important to expose them to things and to talk about things, but then there's a line that can be crossed sometimes where it's like, okay, this is making, this is a little bit too intense for a child to... Moralizing a little too much? Yeah. Well, at her age, it's just like you need to know that it exists. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. You're not going to be able to process anything more than that. Do you think they're trying to stave off like the awkward moments right with mom he's so fat you know there's yeah. always the kid that has oh, kids oh, yeah. are gonna that do that inability no right but maybe by giving them spoonfuls at an earlier age because kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for they do pick up and have a lot more empathy mm-hmm. i wonder if, if in that way are we trying to show that i don't know there's it, like it's such a hard boundary now everybody gets a, a blue ribbon for participation everybody gets this there's no real life lessons taught anymore yeah um, and we're well, so worried about hurting each other, but sometimes you have to realize life is going to be cruel. Yeah. Well, I had a friend who is a double amputee, and as she's wheeling herself around, the kids would come up to her, and they would look under her chair and behind her chair, and she would just kind of smile, and they'd say, well, they thought that she was, like, sitting on her legs because they can't understand Mm-hmm. They don't. I mean, how how often do you see a double amputee? Yeah. yeah. And as a kid, the idea of not having a limb is just like it doesn't what? even occur to them. Yeah. No. So they would just, you know, they would look at her, and then some of them would say, "Where are your legs?" And she would say, "Um, I had an accident, and they were removed." And they'd go, "Oh, okay," and yeah. off they'd go. Mm-hmm. And some kids wouldn't say anything because they just assumed that she was sitting on her legs. Yeah. And, you know, and I said, does that bother you that these kids? And she's like, no, it doesn't bother me at all. It's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a person in a wheelchair with no legs. I'm odd yeah. looking to a kid. Yeah, true. You yeah. know, kids and it's actually good for them is to. like them. Yeah. So if you're not like yeah. them, then you're different and they need to, like, kind of process Figure out that. what's going on with you. Like, yeah, why are you exactly. like that? And, like, we have a, we have, <laughs> oh, no. <clears throat> 
we have two books about um, people with different disabilities, and they're both. One of them is called "It's Okay to Ask," and it was written um, with the team from Children's Hospital in Minnesota, and Nancy Carlson il illustrated it. And it's all about like, you know, if you see somebody that has some sort of disability or something, you can ask them what's going on, and that's fine, and they're happy to tell you. And then we have another book called Just Ask that's, like, basically the same thing. But then I'll go on social media and, you know, somebody with a disability will be like, I'm just so sick of people assuming that they can just talk to me about my disability and blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know where – I don't know what the right thing is. I feel like most people are like your friend mom where it's like, okay, if a, especially if a child goes up to them and is like, what happened? Mm -hmm. It also might be what part of their life are they in at that point. Yeah. If, if the disability is new, yeah. they may not want to talk about it. Yes. And it might yeah. be, you know, if somebody that's settled into it or is, it's been their whole life, they're yeah. cool with it. Mm -hmm. Well, I can also imagine getting sick of talking about your disability. Yeah. You know, that's because it's not, especially once you've adapted to it. Yeah. You know, it's like I've just I've moved on and I don't want to hear about it all the time. I just have to do these things and it's just my life. Well, it's like, well, yeah, even being pregnant, it was like, when you do, is it a boy or a girl? Mm -hmm. How's your pregnancy been? Like the same things Gee, over and over and over. You must be tired all the time. Yeah. Like, Still tying your shoes. Yeah. Yep. Over and over and over again. And at one point during my pregnancy with, I don't remember which one it was. I was like, I just want to get a shirt that says like, this is my due date. It is a girl. I feel fine. Have a nice day. Like. Because strangers would just come up to you and say all these things. So it's like, yeah, as a person with a disability that... It is weird how strangers, especially, like, women between the ages of, like, 50 and 60... Yeah. ...seem very enthralled with pregnant women. Yeah. Older men, too. It's like, okay, yeah, I get that you're, you know, grandparent age, but I'm not related to you, so... You yeah. Know. But I think it would be different, because, like, if I'm pregnant and a kid comes up to me and is like do you have a baby in your belly and is it a boy or girl i'd be much more happy to like oh yeah it is and tell them all about it but if some old man came up to me and was like how are you feeling mm -hmm. oh you must be due any day it's like leave me alone you know that's kind of what it was like working at, a, at the bank though well, yeah. The old people would come in and they would just like start talking to you as if you've known them oh for gosh. decades. Oh, yeah. It's they're like, lonely. Yeah, they're they're, they're they very, lonely. very lonely. Very lonely. Well, it's like you know. we both bank uh, we both worked at banks and we would talk yep. about how some people would come in every day. Mm -hmm. They'd be like 75 years old, 80 years old. Go to the same teller every time. But it was like the 75 year old that you're like you seem like you're a thousand. Yeah. And they'd come to the same teller every day mm -hmm. and check their balance because they're not comfortable with online banking and they need to make sure that yeah. all of their money is right there and all this stuff. And then they just wanted to talk to you. And it's mm -hmm. just like that's their social outing of the day. Yep, that's what I they like do. It, at the Minnesota State Fair a few years back, there was a lady who... <laughs> There was a lady walking around and said, stop asking me. I'm not pregnant. I'm just fat. Oh, God. Oh. I mean. It's, I'm only laughing because I just love the fact that she embraced it so much. Yeah. She's just like, leave me alone. It's, yeah. I'm not due. I'm fat. Well, it is interesting it's... because some women carry, like, I had a gal that I went to school with in college, and she looked pregnant the entire time we were in college because she that's just how she carried her weight. Yeah. It was, like, all in her stomach. And so, yeah, I'm sure she got that all the time. Because I thought she was pregnant at first, and then the next year she came back to class and was still very pregnant looking. And so I'm like, well, it's not that. <laughs> mm, I hope not. Yeah. I'm so, 20, 20 months in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got Wendy on the phone. 
Okay, before we go to Wendy, I do have to offer a little balance here on this disability thing. Lobster Boy was a murdering prick. Okay, now we can move on. <laughs> so you're going to hinge it all on one guy. Yeah, one yeah. guy. Yeah. One See, guy. that's how stereotypes you are happen. You're an oddity racist. And by the way, he actually did murder. He shot and killed a couple of people, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah. Lobster Boy. Shot lobster killed his boy. Yeah, daughter's fiance on the eve of their wedding. Oh. oh. That's not very nice. Well, no. to his not benefit, nice the, the, the son-in-law did try to dip his hands in melted butter. So, <laughs> oh, well, what? that's I, true. <laughs> I've never heard of Lobster Boy. Uh, you haven't? We did a whole, there's a book about it. We did a whole True Crime Tuesday episode on, on Lobster Boy yeah. going horribly wrong. Was he like a thalidomide baby or something? Like, uh, Probably. No, no yeah. I don't think so. His hands so. were, were uh, the, the kind of the Vulcan high sign. Those, yeah. The pinky and the ring right. fingers were, okay. were together. And then the pointer finger and the, the yeah. middle finger were kind of He had together. genetic, genetic ectrodactyly. Oh, okay. So it was like his family apparently had... They were a storied ectrodactyly family, apparently. Hmm. But yeah, he, uh, he killed at least two people, I think. At least two, and they think more, yeah. yeah. And then, then somebody killed him, or did he kill himself? Let's see. He was either murdered or he killed himself. He died in 92. I was going to say, when was he alive? Was he alive when it would be like a horrible time to be... Yeah, he was born in the 30s. Yeah. He was alive during the freak show age. Yeah, like imagine right. being somebody with like you know, any sort of impair, like visual impairment, not visual impairment, but like a... Oh. Well, no, the real kicker is a lot of them lived fantastic lives when they were working for a lot of the side shows. Right. They, made they were a lot paid of money. extremely yeah. well. And then a bunch of self-righteous pricks who decided it's not fair that we should be putting these people on mm. display spoke for them. Put an end to all of those freak shows. Kind of similar. Now, how are they going to make? How are you going to make money if your hand is a claw and you can't use it? Yeah, I I read. But uh, he died when his wife hired a hitman to kill him. Yeah, there you go. Well, (laughs) interesting family. Do it. Exciting and new. (laughs) Lobster boy. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. Wendy's with us, by the way. (laughs) In 1992. What? For $300. 300 bucks, yep. $300 to kill That's him? a cheap hitman. That's how much no, your life she is got worth. got out of the back of Mad Magazine. <laughs> yeah, for real. Wendy, how much do you make when you kill people? Yeah. Uh, $17. How's that? <laughs> I wouldn't do it for less than a million. No. There you go. So what's up, Wendy? Um, I was just listening to your disability chat, and um, I'm... I'm on the board of a, a, a disability employee resource group at my company, and uh, basically our, our focus is that we're trying to uh, extend uh, knowledge and acceptance of disabilities. But I'm telling you, sometimes, and I know people who have various disabilities, and the obvious physical ones, a lot of times people's attitude toward their disability can really be dependent on the people that are caretaking them and the people very close to them in their lives. Do they treat it like a shame or do they treat it like it's no big deal and we'll, you know, get through it? I think a lot of it has to do with the people around you and how they accept it or don't. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. If somebody's freaked out and a prick about it, that must, you know, a lot of times that tends to mean that the people who, you know, like parents or wife or whatever mm-hmm. that are caretaking them are not, you know, like, hey, we'll just learn to work with it, blah, blah, blah. There's a marked difference between the two groups. 
Yeah, there's no question. Do you think part of this, Wendy and Dave and Andy, Alex, Catherine, do you think part of this is that there's so much focus now off of the family that you don't have that family support anymore, so now everybody's a victim? Well, you caused it because you wanted the family unit to come apart at the seams, right? It could be. Absolutely, absolutely. It's ridiculous. Um, You you, you need this a lot of times. Well, in family, that's kind of a double-edged sword because some families are very supportive and very caring or, you know, some functionally dysfunctional and that's okay too. But then you have some families that are just complete hot messes. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a problem. Nobody (laughs) wants to help anybody overcome their problems. And and I I was really laughing. You were talking about marginalized people because quote unquote, the technical definition, I'm a marginalized person. And so is Alex. And so is, um, Catherine, because we're women, mm-hmm. and I hate that word so much. I'm going to throat punch the next person. <laughs> I, I am not now and have never been marginalized because I was a woman. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I tend to be one of the women. Tend to be the stronger <laughs> ones because they have to. They have to keep everything in line. They have to take care of everything and make sure nobody goes to jail and you know all that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've been at the hardware store with you and asking for something, and they and the guys look at you and talk to you about it, and I'm like, he doesn't even know a Phillips from a flathead. I mean, what? Yeah. Are you I talking to too. him? Yeah. Do One you? Of them's so <laughs> it's do like, you? you know, so I mean, sometimes I feel like a little bit like, okay, but no. I mean, not in, not yeah, in my people, lifetime. People are on a binge of segregating people the way they think they yes. should be segregated. Yeah, that's segregated. true. Yep. Like, okay, all of these groups are victims, but white men, they're horrible. And it's like, I, you know, I've been married to a white man for, like, almost 37 years. He's not horrible. I mean, Only sometimes. you know, maybe a brother oh, in law is real weird. Yeah. Why do you think I go on vacation a couple times a year? Come on now. Yeah, yeah um, there you go. But, exactly. You know, and that's because a lot of people have, from what I you know, see on social media, a lot of people have been given the message that marriages need to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, just leave and find somebody else that isn't perfect. Mm. You're a victim. If you you don't think your marriage is perfect, then you're the victim and you mm-hmm. have to get out. Right. Yeah, my you favorite know? is every and single, it, like, little minor hiccup in a marriage. They call it a red flag. I know. That's a a major red flag. You better watch out. It's like, what, because the dishes weren't done after an hour? That's a red flag. (laughs) That's a red flag. They don't care about you. They don't care about you. Yep, that's what people say. After the years I've been married, I would say that a red flag would probably be him coming home late one night, and I go out to the truck the next day, and it's filled with, like, blood and, like, Mm. hatchets. So, like, if your wife is... You are such a suspicious character. <laughs> yeah. <Come laughs> yeah, no, it, it just, it irritates me that people... See, it's a good thing I work at home, my basement. I kind of like this arrangement. I think we should keep going with this. Because yep. I just, you know, nobody here is... <laughs> nobody in my basement is a big deal. Yeah, I like it. I know that sounds terrible, and I promise I do not have, I do not have a long written document for when I like lose my shit, or sorry, when I lose it and like go crazy. You can say lose my shit. That's not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got to. You know, joke, joke, 
joke of Louisville might have a metaphor. He might. Exactly. All right, we've got to take a break. Wendy, thank you. You betcha. Have a good one. You too. I should uh, announce, uh, going into the break, I'll announce uh, Governor Walls is announcing today his support for cannabis legalization. Woo-hoo! What do you think of that action? It's no surprise to anyone. No. They what what does that of, mean? I mean, it's already approved. Recreational. Oh, okay. <clears throat> recreational, yep. Pass the Dutchie on the left-hand side. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, indeed. <laughs> we'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. List it on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. Reminds me of being a little kid. Now here's a... I'm going to read this paragraph. We've been talking about this, you know, marginalized people and marginalizing people and all this marginalization and all the rest of it. Liberal Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring, given President Joe Biden an opening he has pledged to fill by naming the first black woman in the high court. Yep, of course he did. I would be so pissed off if I were black, and especially a black woman. It's like, it has nothing to do with I can qualify for it. It's my skin color that matters to you, and the fact that I'm a woman. You know, fine, it's great, whatever, but... Uh, I would like to get the job because I'm qualified for the job, not because of my skin color or my sex. That'd be good, right? Yeah, pandering. Well, but on the other side, there's a lot of, of uh, activists who are like, oh, it's funny that you um, you move this person in, but don't even mention that they are the first woman of color to have this position. So it's, you know, there's a strange dichotomy going on where, we shouldn't have to have labels anymore. Hey, I agree. You know, uh, Andy Bernard is has been lifted to the program director at KQRS, and that should be the title. Doesn't matter what color Andy Bernard is, what religion he is, what sexuality he is, but it we feel like we have to show the endorsement of Hey, look, we're progressive. Yep. We're doing this, and we're acknowledging it so that Andy doesn't feel marginalized in this business. Mm-hmm. So that here he is, and welcome to it. So there is that weird. That's the problem. There's such a there's such a weird break in our world right now that 
what what should just be happening is just progression, and it shouldn't be African American leader. Why not just community leader? Exactly. You know, Al Sharpton. It, it shouldn't matter that he's. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It shouldn't matter the color or the race or the, no, the sexuality of this person. It's who's who's speaking or what are they doing, and what is their position? And I, we're not. You know, we can see or hear what's going on and know who we're dealing with, and and just kind of leave it at that. But then on the other side, everybody wants to be recognized for the achievement as well and if it's a black woman who gets the job she should say look i got this job because i'm qualified for it right that'd be the best thing you know i I, let me mention something to you because i've always said this has nothing to do with skin color it has to do with treating the poor like (laughs) shit that's what this is really all about Mm -hmm. uh and of course most black people in america until recently were very poor you know in the last 50 60 70 years whatever it's been but let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. And it was just my life, so I just didn't know any better. But I had a black friend I went to St. Joseph's School with the, my, my friend, and I won't say his name because he's dead, unfortunately, died very young. But I could not go in his house because I was white. His parents would not let me go into his house because I was a white kid. Now, where's that? What's that all about? Was I offended? No, it's like your house. I guess you can let anybody in you want to let in. But... If you think this is a one-way street, you're nuts, and you've never left YZ. Let me put it that way. You don't know what you're talking about. You really don't. All of these highly educated Harvard and Princeton and Stanford people have never been in a neighborhood like mine. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. They really do not. Have you ever heard from anybody else? Because I was white, I could not go in his house. Well, racism, as you said, works on on all sides. It does. But, but they, but nobody wants to hear that. They want no. Racists are are <laughs> white people, and Ugh. and but it, you know, I mean, it comes from pretty good history, uh, right? I mean, yes, but no doubt. You know, so you, you can see where that that progression started from. But it's yeah, it's the fact that there is you know people uh, dis- discriminate no matter what color. I said one of my favorite stories when I first moved to the Twin Cities that I had to stop late night at an ATM. And I went in, and there was a, a very large African-American man in front of me and a very large Hispanic guy behind me. And, you know, I'm from the white suburbs of Minneapolis, or of uh, Chicago, you know, in, in Medina, all white bread neighborhood. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, God, is this going to go horribly wrong? One guy's got a do-rag on, the other guy's in tattered clothes. And I'm standing there, and the African-American guy gets his money and goes and steps over to the side instead of walking out of the kiosk area. Mm-hmm. And then I get my money, and I'm, like, doing the slow peek around as I'm doing this. And then the Hispanic guy goes and gets his money, and as I'm walking out, the black guy goes, thanks for hanging here. I thought that big guy behind me was going to take my money, meaning me. <laughs> there you and go. we all started laughing. I go, you thought that? And he goes, oh, we know what you were thinking, but you're just as intimidating to us. Six foot one, 280-pound white guy standing behind me with a shaved head. You looked a little menacing. So we all had this good laugh about the fact that the three, three of us are all and they're wondering which one of us is going to hold the other up. I'm telling you, and it's the biggest problem we have. All of this is coming from those big, giant cities, and, and Minnesota thinks it's a big, giant city. It's not, really. Minneapolis-St. Paul is a pretty average-sized city. I Look, I grew up in Minnesota, love it. I'm not bitching about Minnesota. But you got to get over it. We are not New York, Chicago, or Los Angeles, or San Francisco. It, it's totally different, and we just Boy, think we we're right be, there. Though. Well, I'm not saying we should be, but we do want to be, and I don't know why that is. I don't get it. It's an inferiority complex. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Everybody needs to calm down. I get along with every. Look, you can ask Catherine, where do I go to shop when we're in Florida? 
Publix. Yeah. Okay, which Publix do I choose to go to? The one on Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard? No, the one over on by Texaco. <laughs> That's Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard. Oh, that, yo, I thought you were talking about the Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard that goes on the island. Yeah, you're right. I do. I go to that one. You know why? Because everybody that works there is incredibly helpful and polite. Every one of them. How are you doing today, sir? How's everything going? Can I help you with anything? Every time I walk in, they're all over me, just wanting to help out. Very, very nice. Every single one of them's black. It doesn't matter to them that I'm a white guy. I'd, that's the world I want to live yeah, in where I it f- doesn't matter. I feel like the South has been like integrated for so long, so much longer, with so many yeah. more you know, oh, the people North of was color. A lot more segregated. No, I mean, I mean today. Time. I mean today. I know. I know their history has been awful and right. uh, and all that. But today, I just it. There is a difference between talking to people of color down here. Mm, oh, absolutely. a huge yeah. difference. I mean, they're huge just much difference. more engaged and laughing and happy, Joking kind around. of. Yeah, it's a different feeling down here. I don't well, know how to describe it. An example, I ran to the store and I bought a six-pack of uh, Cherry Zero Sugar uh, Coke. And I bought it six bottles, not a six-pack, but it was six bottles, right? So checking it out, and the young black woman checking me out, picks up a bottle and is going to hand it to me. <clears throat> and I said, uh, what, what are you doing? She goes... Boy, I know you're going to drink this in the car. (laughs) I thought it was fantastic. She was right, of course. She was right on the money. But it's that they don't have, I don't don't know. I just wish we get to the situation where let's take it individual by individual. Just talk like people. Yeah, it's because in the North that we're taught from a young age that we are fundamentally different and one of us is going to genocide the other. And it's just a matter of time before the race war. That's basically what children are taught from the age of probably eight years old. Who taught you that? Every school in the world. Really? That's how how teachers talk now. You know, well, school systems do. Teachers just follow well, the rules. The well, you they just do for? what they're told. Yeah, they do what they're the, told. The administration, the administration is the one that puts these rules in place. Horrible but, people. Oh well, yeah, moment. it's yeah. Basically, it's like uh, we're cats and dogs. We're oil and water. We can't possibly live together. It's ridiculous. Uh, the only the way, thoughts and the only ideas way behind forward. the Bernard family are not necessarily supported by all members of this show. <laughs> well, we know you're openly a, say school administrators <laughs> you know. are scum. What's what scum? Uh, school administrators, on average. Well, I'm sure not all of them are. On average, 99.9%. You know, there's no. probably one or two Guys. out there who are. You know. I got kids in school, Andy. Back off. We're going, we're going at them hard, no question about it. No, yes. I, I had some great teachers. Most of my teachers were not very good because of the administration. The administration would make them do things they didn't want to do, and they were mm-hmm. not very good teachers because of it. <clears throat> A few of them fought back, and those were the good teachers. Uh, you know, I left high school at 16 years old for that very reason, ended up testing out, and I got my diploma when I was 16 years old, and it, it is what it is. I, look, I don't have the same situation. Again, like I said, I lived with Victor and Gail Treadwell and Grand Forks. There's a one for you. A white kid from Minneapolis moves to Grand Forks, and who does he move in with? A black woman and a black man. Why? Because I'm used to living like that. It's why I was comforted. Could have been white people, black people. Could have been Mexicans or Mexicans' neighborhood. Uh, it, it just didn't make any difference to me. You know, my Why favorite American history that? teachers were the ones that were from other countries. We had Eeyore Katinsky was my American history teacher in high school. And he was from Yugoslavia or Czechoslovakia, one of those two. Whatever and, it's called these days. Right. And he was, yeah. but man, because he had to 
mm-hmm. study it and learn it to get his yep. nationalization. He dug American history and he made it fun. Yep. And uh, it and what was funny, he used to have one of those. Um, he had a picture on the wall of this guy, and he actually like taped a fake beard to it. And if you did something stupid in class, you had to go up and stroke Zeke. And uh, so that was his, like, <laughs> dunce cap. Zeke. You'd have to go up and pet the beard of the, the moron on the wall. Uh, but he was so fun and engaging, whereas uh, teachers that were based here in America, like, they had a worse grasp of American history yeah. than a lot of the students did. Well, it reminds me of uh, yet another Simpsons. Simpsons is always relevant. Pretty much. Yes. Uh, it reminds me of a Simpsons bit. All right, here's your last question. What was the cause of the Civil War? Actually, there were numerous causes. Aside from the obvious schism between abolitionists and anti-abolitionists, economic factors, both domestic and international, played a significant... Hey, hey. Yeah. Just, just say slavery. Slavery is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended that you played that clip because Hank Azaria is a white man pretending yeah. to be a Pakistani shop. He quit, though. Yeah, he, he quit. quit. He, quit though. he stepped yep. down. <clears throat> God, you can't even do an impression anymore. No. Nope. Why can't you do an impression? Well, groundskeeper Willie's okay. You know, Uber's no, he's okay. White. Exactly. White. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a stupid prick. Grease me up, lunch lady. Doris, I'm going in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> God. I don't... I Look, I've known... I know all the people in the studio. Hey, there. Catherine and I are sitting down. I've never seen any of you treat anyone poorly. I don't care what color, sex, any of it. My you kids might, die, nice might fight you on that. That they've seen, <laughs> yeah, like them. That. I've treated them poorly, according to. Oh, all okay. Well, yeah. well, yeah. Well, I, I get, I get the I whole deal it. with Hank Azaria, though, right? Is um, it's kind of like why there are so many great gay actors, so many great disability, you know, uh, actors with disabilities. Why not have them play the role instead of, you know, uh, uh, a white guy? Why not just give that role of Apu to uh, a Middle Eastern person, and then, you know, I so I get the point in some of these deals, but. Again, you know, taken out of context, it's, you know, when, when these things started and what's come of it, you know, it's time to start changing. And yeah, that's how many fine Indian actors were there in 1985 or whenever it is that right. the uh, Simpsons started? I don't know. Wasn't that the yeah, kid? voiceover. At, yeah. mm-hmm. The Especially one guy that voiceover. did the, the Pakistani, um, on sh- uh, what was that movie? Short Circuit. <clears throat> and I think he was. I've never seen Short Circuit. I need to. I can't remember his name now for the Johnny life Five of me. Johnny Five is alive. Yeah, but the, the guy that plays the the like inventor, he's not Pakistani. Something it's a bad imitation he does throughout the entire movie. But he's he's a different ethnicity. And uh, now people, you know, I've, I've read online there are all these deals that they they've kind of canceled cultured a lot of that movie because of his representation. Mm. Although it was hilarious at the time, and it wasn't mocking or making fun of. It was just putting him in the role of. But look, we talked Shakespeare in the first hour. They had many males. Well, all males played the female roles at that time, right? It was just the way the world worked at that Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, at that time, yeah. I will tell you one thing. In my family, and and Catherine will tell you this is true, the kids didn't know this. and I was kind of out of it already because I was doing voiceover by the time I met Catherine. But every boy in my family, well, not Terry, but from me, Todd, Tony, and Troy, we had to learn to adjust our the way we talked when we left our neighborhood. And people go, what are you talking about? My original voice, and my brother Tony is the only one that still does it. He never, he wouldn't change. He said, I'm not doing that. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to change the way I talk. I talked like this my whole life. Sounds like Tony. But those four, including me, we grew up talking like this. 
Yeah, let me tell you something. I'm just going down there next week. And I'm going yeah, he mumbles like crazy. We all mumbled like a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. We never opened our mouths at all. But I got out in the real world, and I already got the resting bitch face, apparently. which Apparently, I got to look in my eye like I want to kill half the world, which I didn't even know until about a year ago. But I suppose a guy with a resting bitch face and talking like, you know, I'm going down there. Everybody's like, what? What did you say? I had to adjust. Why doesn't everybody have to adjust? Right? Yeah. Right. Well, there's a That's level of, of learning the place. Although, when you were telling that story, I thought it was going to go a different direction. Like, uh, I love the Marx Brothers, and I was reading their biographies, and you read love about them. Chico Marx, right? He, uh, he got good at the Italian accent, but he could do all the accents. And as he would cross boundaries in New York where yeah. they lived, he would talk with the accent mm, to keep himself right. from getting his ass kicked. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, too. That's exactly right. So, Chico, but the mumbling, Chico. you were probably hiding whatever ethnicity you were in, right? Uh, well, yeah, plus the fact you didn't want to talk too loud because then you get your ass kicked by older, you know, like somebody's dad would probably beat the shit out of you talked any louder than yeah. that. I mean, you kept it to yourself. I, I People tell me all the time the way I walk, the way I stand, the, way I, the look I have on my face is very threatening. I didn't know that. But I suppose I developed it so nobody would come over and, you know, start a fight with me every other day. I'm sure that's where it came from. So I didn't have to fight all the time. How'd that work I out for you, Tom? Every time uh, I, I talk have... to you, somebody's picking a fight with you. No, yeah, ver- <laughs> verbally. Not... Verbally, yes, but not physically. <laughs> right. It's just people are the way they are. Would you let, let it alone? They grew up differently than you did, than I did. We all grew up differently. We're not all the same. Not all white men are evil, horrible racists. I mean, Jesus, what a joke. Don't tell social media that. It'll yeah. collapse. Oh, God, yes. We have Joe on the phone. Joe, what's happening? Somebody holler for me. Somebody holler for, for Joe. I could have swore somebody on the phone was yelling for me. Yep. Really? Hey, Joe, where are you going with that I'm... gun in your hand? It's a great song, man. What's up, Joe? Not much. How you doing? Marvelously well. We're just trying to figure out why we all have to be the exact same person and act exactly the same, and you have to do what I tell you to do. I like the world where everybody's different and everybody is up front and, you know, we've improved a lot in the last 75, 100 years, so let's keep moving forward and works for me, right? Do what I do, tell them to shove it up their ass and get out of your life. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to, you're exactly right. You know, when I called this morning, I felt I kind of left you hanging. Um, I told you that... I, uh, I didn't listen to much of the KK Morning Show when I was in treatment, but I actually did. Right up until 9 o'clock, I had the, had the show on. So for about three and a half hours, I did have the show on. As soon as, as, soon as the therapist came on, I, or as soon as the counselor came on, I shut the, shut the show off. Right. And I just uh, downloaded it later, finished listening to it. Well, see, you all... All the support in the world is all you need. Why? Did your counselor not like the show or something? Oh, no. We had to pay pay attention to him so we could oh, uh, okay. actually pass. Because it, was, it wasn't uh, in person. It was uh, how, how oh, Zoom. Um, via Zoom because it was the uh, pandemic and shit. So I couldn't even smoke in my own apartment during class. So That'll happen. Oh, yeah. by the way, I should mention this. It just popped up, and maybe it's an older older story, but it just popped up on my screen. The Vikings have indeed hired Browns, Quessy, 
uh, Adolfo Mensa as their general manager. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know how old he, he graduated from Princeton, also got a doctorate at, I believe, at Stanford. He looks like he's about 19 years old. <laughs> My God, is he a young-looking guy. Have you seen him? No, not yet. Why, why a, the Browns? Is there not a better coach available? No, it's, it's a general like the, manager. Oh, general manager. All right. <coughs> Still, Indeed. It's I not guess like, they wanted guess somebody else better. and they, they yeah. went somewhere else, right? No, the gen, this is the general manager one. It's the coach they wanted. He went, somewhere, he went to the Bears, I believe. The Bears. Yeah, Chicago Bears. The Bears. Salting. The Bears. Well, it is Chicago. It's a rather big town. So That's true. So what else you got, Joe? Uh, not much. Looking forward to going back to work after doctors, all the doctor's appointments. Oh, so you're good to go, or you're close to being good to go. Well, I, gotta, uh, I have to see my regular doctor tomorrow, and then she can clear me. That's wonderful. So you're almost back at it. I'm glad to hear that. You uh, you pulled that th- pulled through that very nicely, don't you think? Yeah, 15 months sober. Jesus. Congratulations, yeah, man. Exactly. Thanks, Dave. No doubt about it. All right, Pally. Well, stay in touch, all right? Always. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe of Louisville. He's not Joe from Louisville. He's from Invergrove Heights. So I they used to call him Joe from Louisville. Not I'm not from Louisville. I'm from <laughs> Invergrove. He goes by Joe from Louisville in the chat room. So Oh does he? Mm-hmm. Okay. My buddy Vance just posted on social media he goes, It's a little crisp here in Chicago and it's negative four and I just sent him a screenshot of our weather, it's negative seventeen. Mm-hmm. And I said it dropped down to it's balmy where you're at. <laughs> I don't know who did the weather for the KQ morning show this morning, but my God were they off the one they gave me. For the first two hours, because they send they they send it over with the scripts, right in the in the log. Uh, they reported this morning uh, that uh, it was going to get up to 24 today and 26 tomorrow, and it was currently 15. After two hours, I went, wait a minute. I went and checked. It was actually 17 below. Yikes. Now, how you mess up the weather well, that badly? Well, you might badly? be looking at the wind chill because yeah, no, no, it's going nope. to get up to the mid 20s today. Is it going to get up there? It but it's twenty-eight degrees. It's eleven now. above now. Yeah, but the wind—it's very, low. very windy. So the wind chill is pretty brutal oh. still. Yeah, the low was sixteen below. It says here. The but wind is making it feel like two below. Yeah, there you go. Two below Mississippi. Thank you very much. Great tomorrow, to be here. yeah, the low is going to be minus thirteen, or real temperature. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. Ish. Tomorrow is. Yep. See, it says on here it's going to be nineteen above. I don't get it. I I really don't understand the weather. Well, mine at says all. it's going to be thirty tomorrow. <laughs> That's why right. I, I have a hard time respecting meteorologists. Yeah, for yeah, real. Really great. I think the three of us sitting at this table are probably just as adept at looking out the window and coming uh, up with some yes. shit. Well, that was like my grandma said: if you want to know the weather, go outside. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I I have a friend that is obsessed with looking at the weather. Oh, like really? she plans is her life. No, Cassie. It's oh Cassie is too yeah my friend Natalie she's like oh well the weather says this the weather says this and I hate the weather like I hardly ever look at the weather. Well, she's in North Dakota where a straight line wind can cleave you in half. Yeah, but, you're not careful. <laughs> but she also oh, is true. she also is her father's daughter and mm. he's obsessed with the weather too. And she always says that I have weather trauma because I hate looking at the weather so much. She's like you have some sort of trauma about the weather. I'm like no it's because it's never right. So what's the point? It's never right. You're right about that. Yeah. 
You're right about that. It just doesn't seem to be all that. But, I mean, to be off by 32 degrees, I'm saying it's 15 above and it's actually 17 below. You're off by 32 degrees. That's quite the swing there. I love when these news reports come from Atlanta, Georgia, and they've got two inches of snow. And it looks like Armageddon. Every car on the highway is pulled off to the side. People are sleeping <laughs> exactly. in 7-Elevens. Remember when they Texas... got two inches of snow. Yep. And then I'd love for them to show photographs of our children walking into any high school or middle school. Today it is negative 16. <laughs> I'm dropping my daughter off. Half the boys are walking in in T-shirts and shorts. Oh, is I that know. an Andy guy? I yeah. never don't wear T-shirts. Right. And he used to wear shorts and no all jacket. the time. And, and, of, and yeah. I'm like, it's two inches of snow. Mm-hmm. Get out of your car and walk home. Right? What do you? <laughs> there, it, it was Armageddon out there. And then, yeah, last year, poor Cassie, I'm like, honey, I'm going to send you someplace warm. I sent her to Texas. Oh, yeah. yeah the and Texas fiasco. She got, that, fiasco. She got that, the oh, coldest oh snap in Texas history. Yeah, and, and got stuck uh, there for an yeah, extra week for and stuff. Week. And they were, like, using the pool water to flush the toilets yeah. and stuff. She told me, oh, my God. And wasn't the, it, like, 25 degrees or something, like, that Minnesotans would not even notice? Yes, right. yes. But, but, it, like, but their houses aren't insulated down. for that. Yeah, they're yeah. not designed right. for that. Everything yeah. closed down. The airport's mm-hmm. closed down. Everybody in the house was looking to her. They're like, Cassie, what do we do? And she's like... Uh, insulate your house? Yeah. I don't know. It's a little too <laughs> late at this your point. house yeah. better, maybe? Yeah. You can't do... Get a, wrap yourself in a blanket. The, and the, the electricity would come yeah. on every hour for like eight minutes. Mm-hmm. So they would run over and hit the Keurig and make two cups of coffee so they'd oh have something warm God. for the next yeah. hour. Mm-hmm. Oh it was my brutal. Gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, she came on the show and talked about it. And it was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that I understand because that, that was like plunge them into the depths of hell for a week. Yeah. And they got snow they weren't prepared for, ice, and their their pipes were blowing, their houses were blowing up. Everything was bad. But in Atlanta, it's like there's two inches of snow, and you'd have thought that literally the end of the world had come. Well, that's how, like, my friend... Um, lives in England and she she's from England and she's like if we get an inch of snow everything shuts down everything and she's like it's being like it's cold but if there's snow the entire yeah UK is just like nope no work don't drive don't drive anywhere (laughs) airplanes can't come in can't come out nope for an inch of snow. It's My like, dad, we, we, living in, in Medina, Roselle, Illinois, I went to Trinity Lutheran grade school. We didn't have buses. You know, we just walked to school, and we got a blizzard one day during school. Okay. I mean, like, massive blizzard. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like a foot of snow in, like, two <laughs> hours. It was insane. And then they just started calling our parents, and they are like, we're going to close. Come get your kid. And at that point, you know, we lived in this little unincorporated town. They weren't out plowing. So I remember standing there as my dad comes trudging up. He walked from our house, which was three miles away. Starts oh, walking back with me. And because the snow was so deep and I was so small, he picked me up. He's like, Jesus Christ, you're a pain in the ass. He picks me up, puts me on his shoulders, and walked me home three miles in, like, hip deep snow. Oh, my gosh. And then you watch all these other places just falling apart. I'm like, what happened to those people that are, you know, they yeah. just get out there and do what they have to do. Yeah. Not many anymore. Mm-mm. All right. That's going to do it, man. That, that that show moved along right there. And we solved all the world's problems. All of yep. them. Mm-hmm. Just ask us. Just go to the Publix on Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard when you're in Florida because everybody in there is very, very nice. Tell very them Tom healthy. Bernard sent you. <laughs> Tell them Tom sent you and they'll go, who the hell is that? <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. Take care.